On today's podcast, I had the blockchain boy on. If you don't know who he is, he's got a pretty big following over on TikTok and Twitter, talking about all things crypto and NFTs. And you guys know I am very interested in NFTs, specifically since I'm launching my own um, here later this year. But uh, we talked all about how to pick out what good NFT projects look like, which ones are scams, and why the community is so important. It's a really good conversation. We also talk about how, as a 17-year-old, he got into the crypto space and was making six figures. Pretty crazy. And his mom even got him into it, which I've never heard in my life. Uh, It's usually the other way around, but pretty cool to hear his story and what he's doing on the media side, what kind of projects he's investing in, what kind of projects he is advising in, and he may be even advising mine at some point. So you guys want to make sure you watch till the end now. Let's jump into it. If you're listening to this podcast, then my guess is you're interested in real estate investing. Some of you are just starting out while others are trying to scale their business to the next level. But the problem is with so much information out there, most people don't know which program or coach to trust. Well, I'm a bit biased, but I believe my company, Future Flipper, can help you get to the next level. We've coached thousands of students from all over the world on how to build their real estate investing business. It doesn't matter whether you want to flip, wholesale, or buy rentals. Our coaching program has everything you need to become a great investor. There are many things that we include with coaching, but to give you a few examples, you're going to get an accountability coach. These are people that have had success in their own business, and they want to make sure that you achieve success in yours. We also have all of our documents, our systems, and processes that I've used to buy hundreds of homes. You can copy and paste them directly into your own business. And we have events where you get to meet me, top-level guest speakers, and other students who are crushing it. My students do deals with each other, and I personally do deals with them too. In fact, at a recent event, I just honored over 20 people in our program that made over a million dollars in the last year. So if you want to grow your real estate business, head over to futureflipper.com and apply for a call with our team. The call is completely free, and they can help point you in the right direction whether you work with us or not. So go to futureflipper.com and book your call today. For the last year, the real estate market has been on absolute fire. Prices are at all-time highs, interest rates are at all-time lows, and there is more money in the economy than ever. But with so much competition, many investors are sitting on cash, struggling to find great deals. If this sounds like you, then you need to invest with Pineda Capital. With my network and social media following, we get access to the best real estate deals all over the country. And if you're an accredited investor, you can invest with me on those deals. In fact, last year we purchased a 334 unit apartment complex in Georgia for almost $20 million. We expect it to be worth well over 30 million when it's all said and done. Our goal with each deal is to build in so much equity from the beginning that we're able to refinance our investors' cash out and own the properties together with little to no money into the deal. And the best part is you don't have to do anything. Our team will find the deals, handle the renovations, get them leased, and eventually refinanced or sold. All you have to do is provide the capital. So if you want exclusive access to our deals before they hit the public, go to PinedaCapital.com to schedule a call. We can put your money to work today to start getting you great returns. So go to PinedaCapital.com now to get access to our deals. Welcome to The Ryan Pineda Show. Where our mission is to invest. I only expect to make money in things that I understand. Innovate. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. And inspire. I am much more likely to hit my goal just due to putting it out there. You're now rocking with the best.
What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Ryan Pineda Show. Today, I've got another crypto guy on. This guy is making moves on TikTok and all these other platforms. He is one of the members of the Kryptonites. It is none other than the blockchain boy. What up, dude? Thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. It's funny how in crypto, like, people just have these names. And, dude, you're the blockchain boy. I mean, part of it, you know, originated from the fact that crypto was a very anonymous space. Who, who the hell is Satoshi Nakamoto? Right. Nobody knows. So having an alias is kind of the standard. You're online web three identity yeah. but you know i'm doxxed obviously but some people choose to remain remain anonymous okay before we jump down the rabbit hole you just mentioned satoshi do you think he's one person or a team or what what's your theory my best theory is that it was maybe three to five people yeah and i think he was if not how Fenny, someone very close to him that's my biggest theory on who satoshi really was but i think it's honestly better if we don't know well yeah Dude, what would happen if one day Satoshi just started selling his bag? If Satoshi <laughs> rugged Bitcoin, um, I think that would put us in a multi-year bear market <laughs> because he's one of the richest people in the world. And, you know, we saw the huge seizure uh, from the Bitfinex hack just yesterday. Yeah. If they all sold that, the liquidity in the market is pretty low right now. Yeah. They could crash the price just with that amount of Bitcoin. So I, I'd hate to imagine what would Satoshi do. Uh, yeah, I saw something back when Bitcoin was at the euphoria that it was like, Elon Musk is not the richest man in the world. It's actually Satoshi. Yeah, technically speaking, I don't know if he'd have the reserves to cash it out, similar to how Elon has his Tesla yeah. stock options, and he can't liquidate all of that. Right. But, you know, it's interesting because crypto kind of has this inflated value in, in a lot of ways. Some people have NFTs that are worth four times their bank account, or sometimes their, their NFT is the majority of their wealth. So, like, the same thing happens with crypto. My crypto bags could be worth more than my entire net worth one day and the next day they're gone <laughs> yeah, dude let me tell you you know i've been buying a lot of nfts and i'm joining these communities and i'm seeing these people talk about like like they're broke like i can tell they're just broke and they have these nfts worth hundreds of thousands of dollars i'm like fool why do you have an nft like sell that thing man like you can't be poor and have these super valuable nfts it makes no sense it's the mentality it's their digital identity i mean yeah. if, if my entire digital identity is surrounded by a board ape yeah and i have one board ape and, and i bought that board ape for 200 dollars. yep it's almost like you can't sell it because it's a piece of you at that point and i think that's what we're seeing right now at least i've seen this on twitter yeah people have there was this guy i think it was a publicity stunt he had a crypto punk and there was a million you know multi-million dollar i think it was like I saw that. A guy offered him like a few mil, yeah. and he was like, I'm not selling. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that was a publicity stunt, but I think it represents the bigger overall feeling of the average person in NFTs because like, a lot of these people in the NFT community aren't from money. You know, That's what I'm saying. I see it all the time. Like They just... I don't want to say they got lucky, but they got in on a project. They were in the right place at the right time. You yep. know, they were luck is just the road between it's a crossroad opportunity and preparedness. So, yeah, you know, they were they were lucky, so to speak. Yep. And they've never had money. And now they have this asset that's extremely valuable. Yeah. And they're still broke. And they're still broke. I mean, <laughs> listen, that's how it was for me. I mean, I didn't have money or anything like that. Like my mom obviously let me crash at her place till I was 20. Uh, and, you know, she's been a big believer in everything i've ever done so i'm blessed to have that but i didn't have like a trust fund yeah i basically went broke putting everything in crypto it worked out for me thankfully but it could have easily gone the other way so. yeah 100 percent, dude so you know you're you're heavily into nfts and crypto tell me like just dude you're you're 20 right yes 
Okay. Almost 21 in about a month and a half. Uh, I was going to invite you to the Vegas bars tonight, but uh, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Um, tell me about just how you got into this, man. Actually, it was my mom who got me into crypto, funnily enough. Shout out to my mom. She's awesome. That's the first um, time I think I've ever heard that story, that someone's mom. Hey, she's a progressive <laughs> lady. She knows what she's about, you know? Oh, it's funny, though, because she has a client who is big into crypto, and yeah. he was like an OG libertarian, like, like, fuck the government, this and that. And he's like, you need to go buy Bitcoin. Tell Lucas Bitcoin. It was maybe under $1,000 at that time, and I looked into it, and I was like, ah, I was 16 in high school. I didn't know much about it. I had a little bit of money I invested in gold, and I flipped it into Bitcoin after I saw it you know, double in price in a week. Right. And that was the start of my I, – I chased the money, but I fell in love with the tech and the whole space like professionally since 2018. It's been my, my dream. Yeah. I mean, 2018 was a great time to get in. Yeah, but it wasn't a great time to hold to the bottom, and that's what I did. Yeah. And I told myself I'd never do that again. You know, I lost six figures at 17 at that point. How did you build up to six figures? Um, well, it's kind of where it's what led me on this path today. Right. Flipping the smaller cap coins into the larger caps and so on and so forth. 2017, it was so easy. It was way easier than it is now. You basically could throw money at anything and get 10 times back in a week. 100% swings in a day were normal. Now it's 20, 30% swings, but you were just, it was a retail market. Right. Now it's an institutional market and retailers are in the backseat. Right. Hundred percent. So, you go through holding your bags. Yeah. At the end, of, I remember I, I bought in in twenty eighteen. I think it was, and you know I held my twenty thousand dollar Bitcoin to the bottom too. Yep. Actually, you know what? I sold Bitcoin at twenty k. All my Bitcoin at twenty k, but I put it all into V Chain, and at that time it was super low. I, I ran it up. I made six figures from that trade, and I held it all the way back down and sold at the bottom because I was like panicking. Uh, okay. Was a, it was a good lesson to learn. I figured that was the price of my education because if I hadn't lost that money, I wouldn't have been able to kind of refocus myself and get to where I am today, you know? Yeah. So, you know, everybody likes crypto during the euphoria stage when things are good. What did you do during these, like, dark years, these last couple of years? You know, I guess 2018, end of it, 2019, before it finally started yeah. picking back up. So I've always been an entrepreneur. And uh, my business partner and mentor, Michael Sessa, and I had tried a bunch of different companies together. So I was really grinding the startup scene. I was still deep in crypto. I went to all the crypto events. I was there in 2018 at the conferences, North American Bitcoin Conference, Blockchain Shift. 2019, when they opened the Bitcoin Center in Miami, I was there watching the mayor cut the ribbon mm. like right behind him. Uh, so I've really been in the space networking myself. I would literally, 17 years old, I'd put on a pair of pants. Uh, and like an oversized suit, and I'd go to like the tech, the, the, the tech and beer meetups. They would never. Who do you think a kid is going to be there? Yeah. But I would try and network, and so I had started this one company, you know, with this one guy. Not going to name names. Went to shit, uh, and Sessa, who became my mentor and stuff, met me at the Emil Arena in Tampa, Florida. Uh huh. Right as that was going down, he's like, "Come work with me," and we've been partners ever since. So. Nice. Yeah. I thought you were about to tell me you went to El Salvador, too, oh. to meet the president. You know what? Uh, he w he was quote-tweeting one of our other creators under Kryptonite, uh, oh, and nice. it was funny. She's the official burger flipper, Crypto Wendio, of El Salvador's Bitcoin burger shop. They have a Bitcoin burger shop? Eh, the president was tweeting about it, so maybe it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. So, you, you know, you've been in this space. You, mm. You've been immersing yourself around other people who, you know, are older and... Yeah. You know, been doing things and super smart. Uh, 
from there, I mean, what have you been doing those last couple of years? You started getting on social media. What, what else? I started posting in social media uh, in January of 21. Okay. So I wasn't, I never did social media before this. You know, my brand is no BS crypto. I, I really, really think this industry, if we're going to go anywhere, we have to cut through the bullshit. And I think that that was really what inspired me to to do videos. It wasn't supposed to be like a big career or anything. You know, back in 2020, Sessa, you know, actually sent an email out. You know, he was imagining a crypto media company and we were working on our bot, obviously. And this was very early stage. And so we had picked out a few people to do a talk show with. I was never supposed to do that. I just did TikTok for fun. Yeah. And it grew into something crazy. Yeah. So you didn't you didn't want to be a creator. No. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, I'm happiest when I'm, you know, in front of my computer doing crypto research or networking at an event. Uh, but I've really fell in love with making videos because of the people that I've met and the connections that I've made and the impact that I've had on other people. It's been like really life changing. You know, one thing talking to a bunch of crypto people is that I've seen that they love researching, man. Like I was golfing with a couple of guys who used to be professional gamblers here in Vegas. And I think they still gamble and play poker, but it's like, yeah, dude, like I'm just researching crypto all day. I'm in the discord. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. Yep. That's where the alpha is. And I'm just like, dude, crypto I, is I just nerds for all with money. that, man. We're, we're just nerds with money. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, and it's so cool because Web3, you know, people call crypto Web3 interchangeably. The Web3 space has just exploded in the last 12 months. And now, you know, we're seeing mainstream adoption of stuff that, you know, we were sitting around the table in, in a dingy basement at a meetup in 2017 with maybe like 17 people there. Yeah. And the stuff that we're discussing, Facebook is doing now. Yeah, it's crazy because I, I read, I've read up on the history of crypto, a lot of these books, talking about those early days with, what's his name, Charlie Shrem, and like, yeah. I'm like, man, these guys like loved it back then, and they must have They were like, in it for the ideology. Yeah. You know, crypto comes from a place of freedom right? without banks, being, yeah. the, being the force that is supposed to replace that system. Right. Now, that's been corrupted a little bit in recent years, but I still think the core spirit is there. Yeah, well, they were all getting mad at uh, what Jack Dorsey because he was saying Web three is going to be for the corporations and stuff. He's not wrong. You know, <laughs> VCs have raised you know more money than they know what to do with from their LPs, and we're just seeing a whole bunch of money being funneled into the space. I mean, I've been working. I have a launchpad partnered with Dowmaker called Infinity Pad, and we help onboard new projects. And a lot of these VCs, we just turn away. Because some of these VCs have terrible reputations of just dumpage immediately. VCs are really cashing in on Web3 right now. And I think that through Dowmaker, through Infinity Pad, we can sort of decentralize venture capital. Because we, we do like big raises called strongholder offerings. And it's, we're trying to replace VCs through our network connections and crowdfunding. So, right. you know, VCs are good and bad, give and take. Right. The good ones are few and far between, but the ones that are good are really good. So. Yeah. It's interesting. You're talking about DAOs and, and raising funds. I uh, had a fun guy on the podcast recently. His name's Bridger. And, you know, I run a fund for real estate. You know, it's a 506C. And I'm watching what all these guys are doing with the DAOs and raising money. And I'm like, these guys are, like, they don't know they're raising a fund. Like, they, they're going to get regulated. Yeah, regulations will happen. I think as soon as the end of this month, we're going to see the first executive order from Joe Biden. But it's really going to be 
2022 is the year of the crypto regulations. And yeah. I think we're about to see a reckoning uh, of sorts. But I think short term, it is definitely bearish. Long term, it's going to happen and we've got to bite the bullet. It's like jumping in a cold pool. Yeah. You know, you're going to get cold, but eventually you'll adapt to it. Yeah. Um, and it was funny reading through the history of crypto and reading about the Winklevosses because they played such a big role. Yeah. And seeing like them being pro regulation of like, this is going to happen, but you seem like you don't like them. I mean, I think that it's interesting that the same people who tried to, they made a lot of money from Web 2 are trying to do the same thing in Web 3. And I have a lot of respect for some of these guys. They've, got, you know, they've built great things. But I just want to see the, the, main, the main reason why crypto is even a thing in the first place not fall to the wayside. Right. But I mean, in their defense, they've been in crypto way longer than 99% of people. Oh, yeah, they had the vision. They knew yeah. it was coming. You know, I mean, I was 12 years old when they bought Bitcoin, <laughs> so, I mean, like, I don't know what I was supposed to do about it, but I think that they definitely are visionaries and people that we should be listening to, at least to some extent. I just hope that in crypto we can still see equitable gains for all, not just for the elites. Right, right. No, that makes sense. So, speaking of people to listen to, um, <laughs> we were talking earlier. I was like, have you ever guys ever watched that guy BitBoy? Oh, boy. And I was like, you guys got, like, the same name. You're the blockchain boy. He's BitBoy. And I was like, and yep. then you said you guys got beef, dude. A little bit of beef. I mean, I just have disagreements professionally with him. Personally, I think, you know, he's a good guy. He's a family man. But we, we, we disagree about a few things professionally, mainly about his um, his predictions, you know. Bitcoin – or Bit, I don't watch a ton of him. I don't know the guy. But, I mean, it's like he's got a new prediction every day. Yeah, and I I just think there's a, an element of like responsibility. Like we, you know, we did a show. I went on his show a few times, um, and we did a show where he was talking about XRP, and he was very adamant about it being four dollars by a certain. I think it was October first, mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there like, well, okay, maybe he has some justification because the price target seemed crazy. That was basically like a four hundred under a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I asked him after the show, like, hey, man, I know you said inside sources, but, like, you know, do you have anything else? And he's like, no. He's like, my inside sources are, are not going to be wrong. And I'm like, dude, you have this entire audience, and you're clearly saying something that is not based, in my opinion, in fact. And so I had a prof professional disagreement. I made a video, like, you know, if, if XRP is not at $4, or if it hits $4, I will buy XRP. And XRP has been something I've always not liked. Yeah. I don't own any. I don't trade it. It's just, it's there. Yeah. And so that was a big thing for me. And he didn't like that. And so I trolled him a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that being said, you know, I never insulted him personally. He came in, he attacked me directly for really no other reason than I, I pissed him off. Yeah. So I, I didn't mean to offend him, but he definitely took offense. Yeah. Well, you know, I was telling uh, Tim on the earlier podcast, it's just funny watching the crypto community because, you know, I, I call them the dumbest smart people on the planet because they're all very smart, but they're so dumb emotionally. And so it's just like, dude, if you don't like my belief, I'm attacking you. Yeah, it's it's really a shame because the reason why everyone's so passionate and hostile is because it's their money. Yeah. Like, it, you know, if you, you've seen the console wars, right? Yeah, Xbox and PlayStation. And, yeah, yeah. Now imagine that it's not a console, it's like your bank account. Yeah. Like, like, screw you, you know, this is going to this price. And it's all very, like, angry. Yeah. And the crypto community is actually quite small. It's the smallest big community because everyone knows each other. Right. The, you know, if you're a name in the space, you're, even the biggest people will know who you are. So, you know, any beef, it's a lot easier just to be very docile and not say anything. But I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. 
well, whatever. He's I'm sure he's making a killing and living his life. So yeah, kudos to him. Uh, so let's talk about NFTs, man, because, uh, you know, as we came in here, I actually was running my NFT project by you guys just to get your feedback and, um, definitely good. But, uh, tell me like what got you into this part of crypto? I was actually a bit of an NFT skeptic for the longest time. I was like, I, I looked at the crypto punks when they were available in 2018, 2017. I can't remember the exact time. Uh, and I was like, why the hell would I want these stupid little images? Like, <laughs> like this looks like some crap that I can go into, into you know, paint, Microsoft Paint, and just come up with. Yeah. Uh, and I understood what digital scarcity was. I figured it, would, it might have a place in real estate deeds and, and certificates and documents. And it wasn't until I didn't make my first NFT until, like, Q1 or Q2 of last year, 21. You uh, made it or you bought it? I just made an NFT because oh, okay. I thought just to test it out. I always go for the tech first before I buy something. Right. I'm just that guy where I want to know what I'm doing. So I made this NFT. It was like a Microsoft Paint thing. And I was like, all right, guys, here it is. Uh, actually, I think the first NFT I ever uploaded was actually Obamium. Obamium? You familiar? No. It's this internet gif of Obama as a trapezoid. And okay. so I uploaded this picture of Obamium, and it's uh, for sale for like 1,000 Ethereum or something. So if you guys want to buy that, it's on OpenSea, the Blockchain <laughs> Boy collection. Uh, but my first NFT, real NFT purchase, was Pudgy Penguins. Uh, that was like right as they were lifting off. I was like, holy shit, this project looks like it's about to go crazy because I had seen the Bored Apes. I was going to buy 10 of them. They looked like crap. I still think they look like crap. Shout out to the Bored Ape holders. I got nothing against you. <laughs> I just don't like the art. Yeah. yeah. I could have bought 10 of them at like a, a one or two ETH floor, and I just didn't like the art. So I wasn't going to miss that again. I like the Pudgy Penguin art. I bought a couple of them. I ended up selling one and fixed my mom's roof with the profits from that. And then I bought it back after it dipped with the same money. So I basically got a free roof out of it, which was cool. This penguin, dude. Yeah. Penguin over your roof. Yeah, that was, a, that was my favorite project for the longest time. Unfortunately, the founders basically walked away with all the Ethereum. Uh, you know, Coltherium, Coletherium. Uh, and Mr. Tubby were like the, the big founders. I was a big supporter of their project. What do you mean they walked away with all the Ethereum? Like what? They did a secondary mint of Lil Pudgies, and they basically took all the Ethereum from that, walked away from the project, and then tried to sell it to this guy 9x9x9 on Twitter. Sell um, Pudgy Penguins like the brand. Yeah, okay. because the brand is worth something. The community is huge, but now it's like a shell of the project that it was. Ah, uh, I'm looking really it sad. up right now, so there's... Yeah. 8,888 of them. Pudgy penguins. Yeah. They're pudgy. They're pudgy and they're penguins, man. <laughs> that was my what, first real... What was the real... utility behind them? Uh, that was like... It was like the same idea as the Board API Club. This was like my first NFT buy. I didn't really know what utility was for NFTs at that point. But what 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 in your definition is the idea for those listening? Like, why are the Board Apes so expensive? What's the idea? The Board Apes are a flex. Let's be real here. They're a community that you can join to say, hey, man... I've got money, I'm a cool person, and, you know, I'm part of this cool club. Right. The reason CryptoPunks took off is because Gary V, bless his heart, love the guy, basically called up all these famous people and was like, hey, man, go buy a CryptoPunk. They exploded. The Board API Club has done this organically. Right. That being said, uh, MoonPay Concierge Service is the reason why all these celebrities have these Board Apes, for the most part. So I think there was a little help there. But... It's, you know, it was still the... Explain that. MoonPay Concierge is like a concierge service for people who want to buy crypto NFTs uh, but don't want to do it themselves. Right. Uh, like, remember when there was an uh, the board Ape in the uh, the weekend or Post Malone's music video? 
That was through MoonPay. Okay. So like they've done a few collaborations, which is fine, uh, but I just think it, that's what helped push the board apes as well to that higher level, you know. Right. It just seems like every day a celebrity's buying a board ape. Was not by coincidence. Was yeah. by design. Yeah. To help push each other's price. Yep. Well, I mean, really, it's about growing the NFT space in general. When you think of an NFT, if I ask like some dude on the street what an NFT is, he's going to be like, oh, you know those monkey pictures on the internet? If they even know. If they even know. Which, you know, I've really been frustrated about like the just the amount of vaporware that's been coming out. That's just, you know, derivative projects and things like that. And we, we really should push the boundaries of what an NFT can be. Right. You know, I came on to the, as an advisor to the Blockchain Miners Club which is like a group, a collection of NFTs that essentially, um, you know, have a bunch of Bitcoin miners that run continuously and it's distributed to the community. They can vote what to do with it. Right. To buy more miners, to redistribute back to the holders. That's the kind of utility I want to see in my NFT projects, not just, oh, here's a picture. Yeah. As the world starts to go more digital, you need to be aware of which businesses are going to thrive in the future. One of the obvious ones is e-commerce. In fact, last year, e-commerce sales did over $4 trillion globally, and it's continuing to grow. Now, if you're like most people, you probably don't have time to learn a whole new industry and start a new business, but there is another way. You could partner with us at Lunar Ecom. We have over 300 e-commerce stores that we have created and managed for our clients. And the best part is it's completely passive on their end. The business model is very simple. You cover the cost of creating and running the store. We handle everything else. We pick the products. We handle fulfillment, returns, and customer satisfaction. After all that, we split profits at the end of the month. This means that when you win, we win. If you want to learn more about how it works, you can watch our case study at LunarEcom.com. I believe that the e-commerce space is going to continue to explode as the world goes digital. So make sure you're with the right partner who's going to be ahead of those trends. So go schedule a call with my team today at LunarEcom.com if you want to learn about how we can start taking your passive income to the moon. Most people want to get rich at all costs. They make sacrifices with their family, their health, and their faith all in the pursuit of money without even realizing it. But what if I told you it doesn't have to be that way? What if you could grow your wealth in all areas of life? Well, it's possible, and that's why I created The Wealthy Way. It's a community of people striving to grow together in all areas. And we have multiple tools free to use that are completely free. You can get access to The Wealthy Way Planner, where you can set goals and hold yourself accountable on a daily basis. We also have our Wealth Builder Academy, which is over four hours of content teaching you how to manage your time, create the right goals, and all the biggest secrets I've used to grow my life, not only in my net worth, but in all aspects. Lastly, we have our Discord community where thousands of wealth builders are all over the world encouraging one another and growing together. And once again, all of this is completely free. There are no upsells, there are no hidden catches. For me, this is a passion project and I wanna build a community of like-minded people. So if you wanna start living the wealthy way today, go to wealthyway.com. There you can get all the free resources like the course, planner, and Discord community. So go to wealthyway.com. So tell me about like advising these NFTs. Like when they come to you, like what is it? They just giving you free NFTs for your advisement. They pay like how's it work? So you come on. I mean, you can do that if you want. Usually, it's a whitelist spot if you, they want marketing. But for the Blockchain Miners Club, it's not marketing. I mean, we're actually helping them grow and develop relationships with other marketplaces. I went out to scope a Bitcoin mine for them to purchase. Uh, can't release too many details yeah, on yeah. that. But no, I mean, like, it's either a salaried position or commission-based if you land deals. 
it's very fluid. I don't work with a lot of projects just because they're not quality. Right. Like we've done consulting with projects before that just didn't go well. Right. Because the projects themselves weren't what we thought they were. So I've been very selective about what projects I actually want to do business with. Right. You know? and, and a lot of that comes down to who's the team, what's the utility, what's the vision. If they don't have a vision, I'm out. Right. Yeah. I love it, dude. Yeah, they're, dude, there's so many NFTs out there. I, I love the, you know, the concept like you. Like, I can totally see it. And like you mentioned with real estate deeds, for me as a real estate guy, that's why NFTs uh, resonated with me so much because I saw so many similarities to what an NFT is and what real estate is, and let alone the ability to bridge them both together and fractionalize real-life real estate, you know? So I'm very bullish on NFTs, and that's kind of where I'm putting my focus in on 2022. Um you know, am I going to buy some pudgy penguins? I don't know, man. They're pretty cute looking. But. Yeah, the project is kind of, I don't know. I, I, I sold mine out of, I cu undercut the floor 50%. I sold mine just because I was done with it. I didn't want to associate myself with the project because people thought I got paid to push pudgy penguins. They never paid me. We liked the pudgies. And it felt <laughs> it felt bad because I, I had knew, known Cole. Um, he was the, like the founder and the creator. He's actually from Orlando. Uh, you know, we had met after I'd made the videos about it. He reached out. He's like, "Thanks for the, you know, for the for the press. I appreciate that. Cool guy." Ended up, you know, stabbing his community in the back, and that was really sad. So he just he basically sold the second set, set made a killing, and bounced because he was like, "I made my money." Allegedly, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that's what happened, but I mean, know, the it, Ethereum. If he's it, not under the project anymore. Like, what else? <laughs> you know, EtherScan. EtherScan shows what EtherScan shows. You know, you can follow the money. And what does EtherScan saying happen? They basically left the shell of the project and tried to pawn it off. It's uh, sad. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I just hope that the community is will last. Because I will say this, you know, that was my first real NFT community yeah. was the Pudgy Penguins. And they were they were really awesome, you know? Yeah. So learning those lessons from, you know, joining the Pudgy Penguins to now advising and, you know, seeing all these other new projects, like, what is it that you think makes a project pop off? Like, what cre what made Bored Apes... You know, I get that the celebrities now are pushing it up, but that wasn't the case originally. Like, what made them so viral? Realistically, it's about community and hype. Honestly, this is my problem with NFTs, is that even though there are some with utility, which those will last, in my opinion, a lot of the stuff is just hype-based. Whichever yeah. has the best community wins. Uh, the Lazy Lions, have you heard of those? No. I'm They've looking been, these up as you speak, dude. The Lazy Lion, Lazy Lion community was one of the strongest last year. They basically raided every Twitter post about NFTs. Um, and they brute forced their way into becoming a, basically a blue chip, uh, which was crazy. Because, like, I, I didn't buy one specifically, again, because I didn't like the art. It was I, the same. I actually like the art. Yeah? It looks like a bored ape. It was a, a little more creative than a bored yeah. ape. I'll give them that. But they had one of the most crazy communities. They were always in every reply reply thread um and that's just an example of one you know you can have you, you but every project success is different community is obviously great in the driving force i'd say community hype and utility are the three biggest also whoever is working on the project the founders right like i bought a lot of murat pock nfts you heard of those the blank pages uh, i'm looking at them now. what are they called uh well just look up murat pock uh it's an uh, you know he's a he or she we don't know is an uh, anonymous nft artist second only to beeple 
How do you sp- how do you spell it? Uh, M U R A T Murat uh, P A K Pac. Usually just Pac Pac NFTs. Okay. Um, they did a project called Lost Poet Society. And you had to buy these blank pages, and everyone called me crazy for buying these blank pages at like 0.3 Ethereum. They were actually going for over one at one point. Wow. Um, and then the actual poets themselves had a floor of like two. The wow. rare ones had a much higher floor. But uh, that was like a real art, like an actual art project. Yeah, one of my buddies, the guy I was actually golfing with, was telling me about how he bought um, those original rocks that were used on <laughs> oh. the CryptoPunks. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm in Discord with, like, all these big-level guys. There's, like, a 100 of the rocks. Is that right? Yeah, the Ethereum, Ether rocks. Yeah, Ethereum yeah, the rocks. Ether rocks. Oh, man. I uh, I should have got those, man. I, I saw those, too. But, again, I was like, these things are stupid. Who wants them? <laughs> Who's buying this rock? It's like, it's like if Pokemon card trading, you know, got on steroids. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the rocks right now. You know, the floor is 690 ETH. 690 ETH. When was the last sale? <laughs> uh, I don't know how to do that on OpenSea. Oh, Lord. Activ- oh, activity. Here we go. No sales. But this is a wrapped Ether rock. Oh, well, I'm not an expert on the Ethereum rocks, to be honest. Yeah. Most of my, most of my, <laughs> I mean, I'm still trading crypto mostly. I mean, NFTs are fun and I like them, but there's just too much garbage i'm i prefer to be i prefer to be more of like a, a larry king type right when it comes to nfts i'm more of a critic sometimes um you know and people call me a heel on tiktok i'm the heel of crypto because i i crap all over the favorite projects of people yeah like a good example of this cardano is as functional as shiba inu really cardano people like it so much yeah they have a dedicated community but yeah, cardano dude, people love cardano it's fundamentally it does nothing. Fundamentally, it does nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sold all my Cardano really close to the peak. And I made a video. I'm like, I just sold almost all my Cardano. We're going to come back to this video. Everybody in the comments was like, oh, you hate Cardano, uh, this and that. You're so wrong. We came back after it was down 65%. We had a little chat. We we're like, hey, guys, was I right? Yeah. Was I right? You know? And, and you know, we, were had, we had Crypto Weatherman on just before this. He's really good at seeing the... The tops. Yeah. I'm good at seeing the tops of the projects that I think are in a gray area or that I think are bullshit. I'll just call them that. Like Time Wonderland, a billion percent APY. <laughs> no, that was that was like it was like a game of musical chairs and yeah. the music was gonna stop. It was just about who has a chair, you know? Yeah. What do you um I see a lot of people talking about hex. What do you think of hex? Oh man, you, you this is gonna be a controversial podcast, man. I love it, dude. Well, dude, it doesn't matter. Like if you just talk about crypto, there's always gonna be someone who hates it. Oh yeah, but there's the hex community is something else. They're a strong community, dude. The hex community put, um, you know, me and Crypto Mason and a few other people like that I know in a music rap video. They had Crypto Mason like in a casket. <laughs> and we're rapping about him like like the they call them furus. The hex community is like incredibly strong. It's you know they have this catchphrase hex users unaffected, which I think is very funny. Hex users unaffected. Yeah, because every time there's a massive hack, they're like hex users unaffected. Cuz essentially it's like a basically like in my opinion it, you know, it's almost like a Ponzi oh, scheme. It out, it's almost spit like a Ponzi out. scheme. It's about certificate and deposit and and this percent. I mean, if you go to the hex website, or go to Pulse Chain, which they're forking Ethereum, basically. They're cloning Ethereum and making it a copy. The success of which will be interesting to see. You know, one of the, you have to sacrifice for it. You have to sacrifice for, for Pulse Chain. 
and they say it's a political statement that's just not investment advice and it's just I don't know I don't know how people take it sacrifice seriously. what sacrifice your Ethereum for Pulse like oh. you have to sacrifice uh, you're sacrificing I'm not an I'm not a hex expert know. it's like it's just like watching a train crash in slow motion you know the same people who were into BitConnect are into hex in 2022 right just saying I'm just saying. there's a lot of overlap <laughs> the Venn diagram is almost like an oval you know it's just like this so. that's funny dude yeah I see yeah. What do they call them? The hexagons, man. Oh, I'm, I look at, I'm like, dang, these people love hex. I'm like, it sure seems like a Ponzi to me. I don't know. but They make it their identity, man. It's just, it is what it is. Hey, you know what? What, what did we say uh, pre-show? It's only a Ponzi until, it's not a Ponzi until the end. Yeah, it's not a scam until no one makes money from it. People made money. <laughs> Charles Ponzi, the original Ponzi scheme, people made so much money from that, but it wasn't yeah. a scam until it eventually came crashing down. Right. Because like, when it, when hex unlocks, it's bought up by the people who are, you know, they, they sell their hex. Obviously, and it's the the exit liquidity is the entrance liquidity. It's like, yeah, very much like that. At least <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, Richard Hart. You know, just look into his past. I'm not saying he's like a bad guy. He definitely has a way with words. I'm just not. I'm not an investor, or I don't participate in that network. Yeah, I, I've never. I've I watched one thing with him. Um, Meet Kevin was interviewing him. And it was like the funniest interview I've ever seen. Like watching him talk, I was like, dude, this guy is like, I don't even know how to describe him. It was just so interesting He's an enigma. to watch. Yeah. Very smart, though. Yeah. Just listening to how, how he he's got to be smart because, like, you know. Yeah. You don't get to where he is by being dumb. No, you don't. So, speaking of uh, NFTs, man, like, I guess, how do you see this playing out in the next, like, I don't know? year five years metaverse like how's this all gonna happen massive bubble that will pop we're yeah. speculating man if you think these nfts are going to be worth what they're worth in two years i don't know about that um i think that the projects that last will be worth massive amounts just like every bubble you have your amazons you have your you know sears so do you think like a project like board apes will last probably it's a critical mass board ape board api club is like the bitcoin of nfts if you want right. to call it that yeah it's too big so you think that will push through? You think some of the like what about V friends? Again, utility first. Gary V will not. He doesn't like to lose. He's not gonna let it fail. No, he's gonna give them so much utility to keep it going. I mean, that's why their floor is so high. It's because Gary V's brand is so strong. Right. And NFT is only as strong as the brand behind it or its brand itself. So. Right. But the other and Gary V says it all the time. Ninety nine percent of these are going to zero. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell, half the NFTs I already put money into are already at zero. <laughs> you know, it's like this a year in NFTs is like a decade in the stock market. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, you tell me. You tell me if these projects are going to last. I, I can't see it. How? So, if somebody wants to invest in an NFT, like, how are they picking these blue chips that are going to last? Uh, it's gambling, bro. It really is gambling. I mean, you got to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think you have the conviction to not sell until 100 ETH floor? If you bought a board Ape for $200 and you saw it go to 300K, at what point would you have sold? I don't know. Could you have held to 300K? Uh, that in itself is a skill, yeah. having the conviction to believe that. I, I would have sold at 100K. I would have been out. I might have sold at 50. Yeah. Being honest. I mean, I'm not like... Well, so for me, my, my whole thing with the NFTs has been... As long as the utility, and this is just my buying preference, as long as the utility behind it is more valuable than the price, for me anyways, mm -hmm. then I'm going to keep it, right? So, like, the reason 
I bought into Neo Tokyo is not necessarily just thinking about Neo Tokyo's price and that it may go up or down, whatever, but the fact that the community behind it and the access to all of the things that they're going to be doing in the future with whitelist, with investing in other projects and, you know, them vetting the projects and all these things. Like to me, being able to invest in those early startups like a VC and having access to them is going to make me way more money than flipping mm. my Neo Tokyo. I'm not a flipper. I used to be more of a flipper. I don't yeah. have the time for that. It's whitelist is like a full time job, man. I ain't exactly. about to do that. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. You know? So ultimately, you you have to have the conviction to believe in these projects long term. Right. And when I buy an NFT now. I'm holding it for the next couple of years. Like I'm not trying exactly. to Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, how are you figuring out what are these buying? Like I, no one's a perfect investor. Like some are going to be nothing, but like, yeah. what are you looking for in the conviction? The founder? Is that the, f- the founders, the team, the utility behind it? That's really what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the next, you know, board ape. I'm looking for the next utility play or the next long-term project that actually is doing something cool. Now, you know, these big long-term projects, you're trying to get them at Mint or trying to get whitelist, right? Actually, no. I don't, I don't, I don't mess with that. Too much time. Yeah. Too much time. I'm going to go buy after reveal, after they dump. That's the best time to buy. After they've revealed, when they dump. That's the best. It happens every time, like clockwork. It's psychological. Buying after the post-reveal dump is always the best. So do you think that, uh, so how many of these projects dump, like, I guess, below their Mint price? Oh, probably most of them, 9 out of 10. Really? Unless they're very well-known. I mean, most NFT projects you'll never hear about. That's just the ultimate reality. Right. Uh, but if we're talking about the hyped ones, most of them will sustain a 3 to 5x if they're good, good and hyped. Yeah, like what was the one we were just talking about, the Prime? Oh, dude, that one was bad. Hate Prime. So they went, they went pre-reveal to a 9 ETH floor. Then I think they dumped quite a bit because the art was like subpar for the, for the price for the hype, people just weren't happy with it. You know, that's why I always sell pre-reveal if I'm in an NFT project with that much hype, unless I'm married to it. I like to have two to three NFTs, one to sell, you know, and maybe one or two to hold. That's it. So are you seeing most of these NFTs do them like they're selling them first without the reveal, then they're revealing after they buy them or what? Well, yeah, that's the standard practice, man. You know, like they don't reveal immediately. You have to refresh the metadata. Sometimes they reveal right after launch, but that's not often. Mm. So they're trying to make their money first. Well, there's a 24-hour period, usually 24 to 48 before reveal. Some people do way longer, which is, in my opinion, a bad move, but I think that's the, the key right there is that sweet spot. Yeah, because I know, like, with Neo Tokyo, it was a long time before um, you finally got the art because they were accumulating all the different pieces together. It was just code. It takes a long time, man. Like, you know, I know people who've made their own projects that that have hand-drawn, like, all the traits. And if you're not doing it the easy way, the cheap way, it takes a long time, man. It takes a long time to put together a decent project. It's not something you can just throw together. As much as people want to just pretend that it is, sure, you can go to Fiverr. But if you want something quality, it's going to take time. Yeah, 100%. So your whole deal is just founders, you know, utility. That's all you would tell somebody. It's it's a very dangerous space to be in if you're a new person and you just want to hop in because, like, unless you know what you're looking for, you're going to lose your ass. I'm just going to keep it real. Unless you know, unless you get extremely lucky, 99% of people will lose their money because these projects, especially right now, 
are full of crap. Unless you're willing to drop like, like an Ethereum on an established project that you think might do well. Like I think I think Doodles will do very well, but that's a you know, you need like oh, 10 grand, 20 grand for the cheapest one. I don't remember what the floor price is. Most of the NFTs that I'd recommend are not accessible to the average person unless you get them at Mint. And that's the big problem because if you can't afford these big NFTs, you look for the smaller ones. And sure, there are some great Those are projects. like freaking, you know, the, the stocks, just the. Yeah, the it's like penny stocks, stocks yeah. man. So, like, but it's even worse because at least the penny stock you can eventually sell, even if you're down 50%. NFTs, some of these things go to zero. Yeah. It's, it's, just, that, it's just that bad. I, yeah. I tell everyone go get on NFT Twitter. Don't just hop in there and start buying. Right. Go to NFT Twitter. Follow some accounts, man. Get in, you know, you know, create your own identity. Become known. Yeah. Integrate in the space. Get into some alpha groups. Yep. There you go. So, you know, looking at doodles and these other ones, like, in your opinion, the more higher priced ones are safer then? For now. Yeah. Not for long term, but like for short term growth. I think we're all looking for the next board apes. Board apes hit a hundred eighth floor. Crazy. What's the next project at 100 100th floor? I mean, I think there's like a few contenders. Doodles is one of them. Yeah. What makes Doodles so special? <sighs> the artwork in the community. I mean, I think that some of these projects just catch fire due to the art, and I think that's one of them. Yeah, their art's definitely unique. It's cool. You know, it's, a, it's pretty cool. Invisible Friends is my biggest upcoming bet. I think that I might scoop a, one or two of them after they've kind of calmed down a little bit. Invisible Friends, I think, will be the best uh, performer if if market conditions stay as they are. I'm looking up. But that's just a personal opinion. I mean, I'm not like an expert on Invisible Friends. I just think they're you pretty You just cool. like them. Yeah, I mean, that's why I buy NFTs, because I like them. It's also a reason why I missed out on millions of dollars, because I didn't like the Bored Apes art. But you I, saw it, you looked at it, and you're just like, I Dude, like I, was about to spend, I was about to buy 10 of them. 10 apes at like 1 to 2 ETH, something like that. I, I because you know the NFT thing was just getting started, dude. I still don't like the art. I can't. I can't help it, man. I it's just a personal thing. Yeah. You know? What do you think on on mint price for a lot of these uh, projects? Like, are you looking at like, like what's an ideal mint price that you look for? Well, it's certainly not three Ethereum like Pixelmon. <laughs> Anonymous team raised seventy million dollars. Wow. Yeah, their NFTs were three ETH a piece, sold out trading half under mint price immediately afterwards. It was awful. How did they raise so much? Like, what? it was just that hyped? People will buy anything, man. You put any garbage in front of them, they'll <laughs> buy it. I mean, it's that sad. Yeah. Um, I, I think anyone who anyone who puts a mint, uh, you know, any more than 0.2 is egregious, in my opinion. Okay. You got to have a real good reason for me to mint anything over 0.1, really. I mean, unless you're like, just if it's just artwork. Unless it's second generation that... Yeah. First generation already proved itself. Yeah, I mean, you're asking for a big commitment. But I think, like, for, like, the bigger projects, I mean, I would mint probably up to one ETH for, like, a Hate Beast level project. I think that's... One ETH. Oh, yeah, I mean... Or what did you say for Hate Beast? For a Hate Beast level of hype. I'm saying what I would pay, but not as, an inv as a value investor, as someone who would just flip it. Right. Um, and that's why a lot of these projects feel like they can charge that if they're hyped. But, you know, it is what it is. I think they're getting a little greedy with it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So yeah. as we wrap up, dude, like what's the one piece of advice you'd give to people that are like thinking about crypto and NFTs? Maybe they're not in it yet, but they see all this hype and everything. Wait for the hype to die down. You know, do your research while you're while you're doing that. Don't buy anything you don't understand. You're right. Go download Coinbase. They'll pay you to learn about cryptocurrency. It's that easy. <laughs> not sponsored, but you know, they can call me. 
Yeah. Um, you know, that you know, that was probably like the way that a lot of people kind of learned about these altcoins initially right. was through that. And you know, once you're in the space, like go hop on Twitter, hop on YouTube, hop on TikTok. There's a lot of bad actors in this space, but you'll learn to filter them out pretty quickly. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, dude, like this is still the greatest transfer of wealth that we're going to see in our lifetimes. Right. So. Well, and I think it's too like the VC principle. Like VCs know they're going to lose on, you know, ninety percent of the stuff they invest in, but the ten percent that pops, the unicorns, it makes it worth it. You know. I mean, we have a chance right now to be a part of something that, you know, it comes along once a generation. You have like the 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 birth of the stock market, the big you know launch of the internet. And what we're seeing is a combination of both right now. Right. And it's just a, an amazing time to be alive. What a time to be alive, dude. Yeah. Building in the Web3 space is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Not even financially, just like for enjoyment purposes. Yeah. It's the best. It really is. 100%. Yeah, yeah I'm excited um, to personally be getting into that space as yeah. well. I'll be, uh, I'll be following along closely, man. Yeah, man. Well, I might have to get you guys as advisors, dude. So. You know where to find me. We'll have you on our podcast, you know, next time. We, we almost got it up. I know. And almost I'm, there. I'm hearing it's going to be big. We'll have to, um, by the time this episode launches, you guys will probably have released the podcast. So we'll, yeah. we'll definitely link to it down below. Uh, you want to tell these guys where they can find you? You can find me on TikTok at the Blockchain Boy, on Twitter at Blockchain Boy with two Ys because somebody stole my username. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Blockchain Boy. Yeah. Do not be, uh, I will never DM you first. I have a very bad epidemic of scammers impersonating me right now. I will never DM you first. That's yeah. the only thing I can say. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you, crypto has the most scammers I've ever seen in my entire life. I know. And some of them have YouTube channels. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yep. No, no shade at anyone no shade. in particular. You may have mentioned him on the show already. I don't know. No, but, no. Um, anyways, guys, I appreciate you for watching this. Uh, super cool. Go check out Blockchain Boy. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for watching the Ryan Pineda Show. If you want to work with me, head over to ryanpineda.com. You can find my courses, coaching programs, and upcoming events. We also have free resources you can download, so head over to ryanpineda.com.